What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly, and today's the Takeaways episode. And if you're new here, what a Takeaways episode is, is where I sit down and I talk to you about the most recent podcast episode of the week. And today we're discussing my conversation with Reese Douglas. Now, if you didn't have a chance to listen to the full podcast episode yet, no problem. If you want to, before you listen to the takeaways, you can pause this under the episode right below it. But if you haven't, you don't have time. Reese is a former child star. He's still acting today, but he played Denzel Kelly on the program Waterloo Road, which is one of England's most popular TV shows from the late 2000s to the early 2010s. He played this character named Denzel Kelly, and it was about a school, and he came from a bit of a rough background. Uh, one of his scenes is he, his brother gives him a gun at school, and he accidentally shoots it off, and the SWAT team comes and it's a whole thing. So that's the character he played. Yeah, he ended up getting voted. He ended up getting taken off the show because the show moved from England to Scotland and he tweeted that he wasn't going to go to Scotland and the show was like, all right, fair enough. And then his character ended up getting killed off in the show. Um, and today he's still acting, but on top of that, and again, so this is when he was a kid. I think he was around 13 when he started on Water the Road. Reese, I believe, is 23, 24 now. And he's an entrepreneur. He started this company called Social Plug, which looks to kind of merge and bring together brands and influencers. So basically, it'll be a platform for brands to post their campaigns and what their budgets are, and then influencers can go on. And the way the algorithm will work is it'll match brands to the influencer, and the influencers can accept and apply for different programs and campaigns to work with these different companies. So very cool stuff. And like I said, he's still acting. He's also modeling. He plays for this traveling football or soccer team a celebrity team that travels around england which is really cool but with listing all these things that reese does the takeaway that i had is a lot of people the first takeaway that is a lot of people oftentimes they don't know what to do with their life they're like i don't know what i want to do like i'm trying to figure it out and trust me i wanted them i don't fully know what i want to do there's some things that i like doing and but with a lot of people like not knowing what they want to do, and I've definitely, it's becoming a little bit more clear to me what I'd like to do, but it wasn't always clear beforehand. I know for a lot of people, it's not clear. What, what do you want to do with your life? And the takeaway I took from my conversation with Reese was that you just have to try a bunch of different things. Like I said, Reese is an actor, an entrepreneur. He's building a business. He plays soccer. I'm going to say football for a traveling celebrity team he's a model he does all these different things and now i will be fair in his case he started modeling first and he started incrementally adding these things on top of what he was doing but he never would have known if he just kind of capped it at what he was doing if he just wanted to model if he didn't think acting was for him and he never tried it but he did try it turns out he liked it he was good at it and it worked for him so if you're someone that doesn't necessarily know what you want to do just try a bunch of shit Try a bunch of different things. See what sticks. See what you like. See what you're good at. Because that's the only way you're really going to figure out what you want to do. You're not going to be able to figure out what you want to do by just thinking and trying to figure it out by sitting at home. Maybe you want to be a YouTuber. Then try making some YouTube videos. Maybe, maybe you want to be a podcaster. Start your own podcast. Maybe you want to be an entrepreneur. Start building a business. You can start small. You can make a drop shipping store for like, I think less than $400 over the first six weeks to get your company up and running. And that's just the expenditure. Maybe you're bringing in sales at that point. So it's already less than that. So there are effective and cost-effective ways to do a lot of different things that you want to try. If you have a cell phone, like I said, you can be a creator of any kind. If you have a cell phone, whether it be podcast or YouTube, whatever it is, if you want to start a business, it only costs less than $500. If you really want to just kind of dabble in it, there's ways to try all these different things. And that's what you should be doing. If you don't know what you want to do, you should be trying all these different things until you figure it out exactly what it is that you want to do. And you might be, your argument might be like, I don't have time to do that. And there's always time. It's a matter of how you prioritize it. Like I said, Reese, let's list all the things he's doing. 
He's building a business. He's acting in movies and TV shows. He's doing modeling shoots. He's traveling around England playing for this football slash soccer team. Like he makes his schedule work. Now he says it's got it in a way where it works for him and that's great, but it's still going to be quite busy. And regardless of how busy you are, you still have time to do this. My podcast takes a lot of time out of my week, a lot. My job, I work overtime most weeks, right? I work my Monday to Friday, nine to five, and I work in sports. Then I have to cover a game on the weekends. Then the following day, I wake up in the morning and I do some of the post-game stuff and make some post-graphics and all these different things. And I still have time to record at least one to three, four podcasts every single week, edit one or two podcasts every single week. Like there is time in the day and I still spend time with my girlfriend. We'll cook dinner together. We'll watch TV shows together. Like there is time in a day. It's just all how you prioritize it. So the excuse that there isn't enough time, there are certain cases where that it does apply, but really ask yourself, is there time that you could cut out or move things around to make it work to try different things? Probably. So if you want to, if you don't know what you want to do, that's not a problem. I understand. I'm, I'm right there with you to an extent. I'm a little bit clearer, like I said, than I was before, but I totally get that. But the only way to figure it out is to just try things. I never would have ever known that I liked doing podcasts had I never tried it, right? I listened to podcasts and I was like, oh, it might be cool to start one, but I didn't know if I'd actually like it or if I'd have any talent or if I'd be good at it, but I tried it. I stuck with it for a little while. I enjoyed it. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. I like doing it. I was, I like to say I'm not too bad at it. So like I said, if I never tried, I never would have known. So if you want to, if you don't know what you want to do, just try a bunch of different things and see what sticks. But kind of pivoting from that a little bit, if what you want to do is you want to be an influencer, you want to be a creator or a YouTuber or an Instagram or whatever it is, but you're a little bit like, ah, oh, that's so hard to do. I don't. I don't think I can do it. Like it's just you need hundreds of thousands of followers, millions of followers. I can't do that. But an interesting part of the conversation that I was having with Reese was the conversation around micro influencers where Reese talked about doing a campaign where he was given, I think it was like 2000 pounds or something like that. He's given a budget to do work with micro or with influencers and he split the budget in half. And he said it was a mistake to have done this, but he split the budget in half and he gave half to a big influencer. He called it a hero influencer, which is a term I never heard before, but I like it. Gave half the budget to a hero influencer, a thousand pounds. They ran their campaign. They then took the final thousand pounds and split it up amongst a bunch of different micro influencers. And the micro influencers outsold the hero influencer by three times. I think they were responsible for over three quarters of the sales for the exact same amount of money down which is crazy, but that's what everyone's, that's what the industry is kind of moving towards, moving more towards micro influencers than just working with some big hero influencers. Now, why is that? You might be wondering. So I kind of wrote down my thoughts as to why I think that is and why I think that this campaign that Reese did was so effective when he was working with these micro influencers versus hero influencers. So the big thing that I kind of wrote down with, with micro influencers is they have a better connection with their audience. The audience feels like they can trust them more because they're more connected because it's a smaller base, right? So when there's that element of like, I don't want to use the word hipster. I don't like, I don't want to use that word, but that element of like, oh, not a lot of people know about this. I really want to support this creator because they only have like 4,000, four or 5,000 followers. I'm one of them. Like, I really want to support this person because I know they don't have a huge following. And then on top of that, with only having, we'll just say, we'll keep stick with those numbers, four or 5,000 followers, the percentage of the audience that you're able to engage with engage with is much higher than if you have a million followers you can engage with 10 percent of your audience as, a, as someone with a million 
a million like followers, that's a hundred thousand people you have to engage with. Whereas if you're someone with 5,000 followers, 10% is 500 people over a year or so, you can definitely easily message 10% of your audience and engage with them, replying to their comments, their DMs, whatever it might be. So by doing that, being able to communicate more with people in your community, in your audience, there's going to be a stronger connection there. So they're going to want to support you because they know you're smaller. And if you're getting, if someone does give you a brand deal, they're probably going to think that's cool. Cause if you're so small, people understand how it works. Now people know that it's hard to get these brand deals. So if you're a smaller creator and someone reaches out to you and they give you a brand deal, that might even be something that your audience thinks is cool. And they're going to want to support you because they know you're a smaller creator and they know, and then you also have built up a better rapport with them by just being able to communicate with more people in your audience. Right. So you're going to trust you more. And that's another note that Reese hit on. He's like, we don't necessarily trust what Kim Kardashian or David Beckham say, because we know that a lot of what they're doing, like these promotions are doing is just for money. And I think he's right, but I think it's more so I do think, I don't like, I don't think that hero influencers don't work anymore. I think they definitely still do. But I think where, what Teresa's point is like, it's more a conversation around traditional celebrities versus digital celebrities. I would say, I feel like, because there's just such a disconnect between some of the biggest celebrities in the world that are traditional versus some of the biggest celebrities digitally, right? Like Leonardo DiCaprio, you know a little bit about, but like you don't know that much about, like you know a fair amount about Leonardo DiCaprio, but like if he makes a promotion for something, like you'll be like, that's a little bit weird, right? Like I don't necessarily know why he's doing that, but if Logan Paul were to do something like that, I feel like he's, Logan Paul is a better connection to his audience because they see him every day. He's always putting out content. They have so many different touch points with him. Whereas with Leonardo DiCaprio, they get a touch point with him in like in a movie and a couple interviews he does about the movie and that's it. Now I could be completely wrong, but Leonardo DiCaprio, that's just the first celebrity that jumped in my head. But you understand the point I'm saying here is there's more touch points with the digital influencer. People feel a stronger connection. So I do think that people don't trust traditional celebrities just because there's less of a connection there. But I so I still do think that hero influencers work, but when it comes down to what micro influencers have much more a better connection and much more sway with their audience. So it's definitely looking like the industry is shifting more towards doing that. And then the positive for brands, one, obviously they have better pull with their audience. That's going to lead to better conversions for you. But on top of that, micro influencers, although they are, they do understand now, like we're at a point now where micro influencers understand how to price themselves correctly for the most part. But with that in mind, they're still going to be cheaper to work with than one hero influencer, right? Like Reese said, he partnered with one hero influencer and a group of micro influencers, right? So even if you're spending the same amount, you're getting multiple people who on top of that. So if we just look at it from a pure content perspective, if you partner with one micro influencer for a thousand or one hero influencer, sorry, for a thousand, a thousand dollars, and you partner with uh, like, we'll say five micro influencers for a thousand dollars, you're going to get more content out of that uh, at the micro influencers as well, because it's five times the content, more areas like you can, if you're depending on the collaboration, you might be able to repost that content. That's five more additional pieces that you're going to get first to work with one hero influencer. They're going to reach not necessarily the same amount of people, but they, like I said, lead to more conversion. So it's cheaper. You get more content out of it and it's more targeted, right? With like a micro influencer with Logan Paul, like he reaches, or sorry, like the hero influencer like Logan Paul, he reaches so many people. But if you look at someone like a past guest on this podcast, Consumed by Carlo, he's a food blogger in Ottawa, right? Like he's based in Ottawa, Little Miss Ottawa. She's a micro influencer, I think, like 30,000 is considered micro. But she's a micro influencer and she offers such a targeted 
demographic. So does Carlo. Like Carlo works with all these Ottawa brands because they know he's specific to Ottawa. There's bigger creators in Ottawa, but maybe you don't want to partner with them because only like 30, 40% of their audience is in Ottawa, right? Or maybe even 5%. Like you don't really know. Like if someone's a big creator, they're going to have following from all over the place. But if it's a micro creator in Ottawa, more often than not, a majority of their following is going to be from Ottawa. So it makes more sense to partner with a micro influencer because it's more targeted. So that's just kind of why the industry is moving more towards that. But back to the point I made at the beginning of this tangent was how I was talking about if one of the things you know you want to do is you want to try being a YouTuber or an Instagrammer, an influencer, creator, but you think it's just such a high barrier of entry now because you need hundreds of thousands of followers. But I just kind of outlined why that's not the case. The barrier of entry now to becoming a quote unquote YouTuber, an influencer, a creator, whatever it might be, is lower now because you can get these brand deals, these collaborations, these sponsorship with such a smaller following now. Like I said, I I myself personally have gone to an influencer event, a quote unquote influencer event, and I have 1,200 followers, not 12,000. That'd be awesome. I have 1,200 followers and I got invited to an event. So it's not necessarily like it's the connection you have with your audience it's not all about a huge size now. So you can, if you can do it and you can build just even a small and tight knit community, you can do that. Like I was listening, I can't remember where the conversation was. It might've been on Philip DeFranco's podcast, a conversation with, with Eddie Burback. And they were talking about how like there's people with like 30,000 followers now that make a living off of 30,000 followers. Or like I know, but just even personally, Hungry Blonde was on this podcast. I believe she's episode number 32 she um she's a full-time blogger her instagram and her blog is her full-time job she only has fifty thousand followers or she did at the time she's growing still but she had fifty thousand instagram followers and that was her full-time job and to some people that's still considered a micro influencer so the barrier of entry now to do this as a career or to even to start making money off of it is so much lower than i think than people realize so that's another positive to micro influencers now, if you're just starting, right? Like if you're still one of those people that is like, I want to do this, but you're just starting. One thing that one really interesting, like one of my favorite parts of this, the podcast with Reese was when he was talking about how he did all these different pitch competitions, uh, but he did them as competitions, right? So they weren't the actual pitches he was doing to investors, right? So he would go to these different competitions and just these different events and stuff. And he would pitch in front of all these people, but he wasn't actually selling to them like he was just doing his pitch and they would critique him and they'd give him feedback and they would do all these different things and he'd make connections that way so eventually now when he's at the stage where he is investing he's refined his pitch he sat stood in front of people he's made the pitch he's got the feedback he's 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 got the critiques he's edited his whole pitch and now he has a much better chance of landing of landing investment because his pitch is so refined and all the questions that he's probably going to get asked He's been asked them already and he has answers for them now. And where this applies to social media is with making your content. A lot of people stress that their first, their first video isn't going to be perfect, right? And that's, a, that's something we've talked about on this podcast before is you don't need to be perfect. But I want to talk about if you make a video and it sucks. If you make a video and it sucks, you should still post it because, well, if it sucks, then you can only go up from there. And I'm not saying... Reese's first pitches suck. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is if you put out content, just put it out in the beginning, because if for some reason, sorry, I just kind of lost my train of thought. If you put out your first piece of content, it's not very good, but it gets a lot of eyeballs. 
you're probably going to be a little bit disappointed, right? Because that's not your best work because you're still learning and you're still kind of figuring things out, right? So if your first post really pops off and it's not great, people might not necessarily stick around. But if you put out 50 videos and your 51st one does well and you've kind of figured out your content, you figured out the quality, you've got a good rhythm, everything's great, it's much better than your first video, and then you get eyeballs, there's a higher likelihood they're going to stick around because it's a finished product here. At the beginning, it's not a finished product. So people, it's weird because people get discouraged at the beginning when no one's watching their stuff. But at the end of the day, it's probably better for them to watch your stuff further down the line when you've refined it and you have a higher quality content, right? And that's kind of what Reese did with his pitch is he went and he did a bunch of these competitions and pitched to a bunch of people to refine and get the best version of his pitch. And now he's ready to go. And when he goes and meets these investors, it's going to be a better chance. So even if you're not getting views right away, you should still keep putting out videos, keep practicing, keep trying. Cause when eventually when those views do come, it's going to be a much better product at your 51st video than if they watch it at your first one, just like Reese's 15th pitch is going to be much better than his first one. But the other one, the other, other takeaway I had, is just a conversation. I think it was closer to the end of the podcast. We were talking about buying things and doing things just to impress people. And the quote that Reese, cause Reese said he used to do this. And he said, well, what the realization for him was, was when he realized he's doing all these things, he's buying things, he's doing things to impress all these people that don't actually care about him, which was kind of the realization. He was like, why am I, wait, why am I doing this then? They don't, they don't care about me. Why, why should I do this? And I feel like a lot of people do that now. We are like the PR version of ourselves on Instagram, on social media, and we're doing things just to kind of look good. We'll go for a hike, literally just take a photo at the end to post on Instagram. And we do all these things to impress people. But like Reese said, it's people that, that don't care. So why, why would you do all these things to impress people that really don't care? And that's kind of the catch with it, right? So whatever it is that you want to do on social media, do it. Post whatever you want to post about. Like, because at the end of the day, those people that don't care are still going to not care if you're posting things that they really don't care about. If you're trying to post something that they will care about, why does it matter, right? So why just post something they don't care about because they don't care about you already, right? And I feel like don't care is an aggressive word, but you know what I mean? You know what Reese meant too in the podcast. So it's just focus on what you want to do. Don't worry about other people. Other people, like I said, they don't care. People are also it might not even be the fact that they don't care. People are so caught up and so busy in their own lives. They might not even, might not even be a big deal when you start posting things that you necessarily don't want to. When you start posting your artwork on Instagram when you never had before, because you're worried about what people are going to think. But at the end of the day, like they don't really care. And they're so caught up in their own shit that it's not going to affect them. Like, for example, like I'll look at my, I'll talk about my personal Instagram right now. I've, like I said, I have 1200 followers and I'm noticing, like I'm starting to build up. Like some people are starting to follow me because of the podcast, but everyone that had followed me before that, there was like 900 followers plus 900 plus followers didn't follow me because I didn't for the podcast. Cause I didn't have one at that time. Right? Like I think the post I made today is currently sitting at, it's been up for six hours. It has 22 likes. That's it. 22 likes and it's just like i wanted to post that no one seems to care about it but i'm still going to post it i'm going to keep posting it because eventually i'm going to find people that are going to care so i don't i'm posting things that people don't want to work like i posted something about me at my job on the sidelines of the football field and i got like almost 200 likes but i post a clip of me on a podcast talking about how you don't really need all this fancy gear to start and giving some real practical advice and also plugging the podcast I was on at the same time. And I get like 10 to the likes because people don't actually care, which is weird, but I want to post anyways. 
So I'm going to keep posting that stuff. And eventually people are going to find it that are going to want to see that content from me. And I'm just going to keep doing my thing because at the end of the day, like it doesn't, people that don't really care shouldn't influence your decision-making. And the last this is the final point. I promise is the final, the final takeaway from my conversation with Reese was just that he was a good dude. You often hear these crazy stories about child stars that kind of go crazy when they're older and, and Reese was definitely a child star. Like he told some crazy stories from when he was on the show. Like he got swarmed at the train station. They had to get security to escort him to his train and they had to give him a private cart or, or private cabin because they were, because he was just so famous and so popular and like kids would seek him out and come up to him at school and teachers would ask him for photos at school and all this stuff. And he was a celebrity when he was only 13. And like, that's got to mess with your head a little bit. And for Reese, it doesn't seem like it has. Like he seems like he's got his head on his shoulders. He's a good dude. He's going about things the right way. Like he had the opportunity, like he's not just seeking the spotlight and the attention, right? Like he turned down Love Island, which would have been huge for him. Like he would have probably, like his socials would have been exploded at that point, but he didn't want to do it that way. He's doing it his own way. And I really admire that about him. And he, like I said, he's, he's got his, he's got a good head on his shoulders and he's a good dude. And he just talks to you like he's another person talks to you like you're another person right like he and like how i actually met reese was reese kind of he didn't reach out to me so reese found my podcast and he liked some of my stuff i think he followed me even and then we ended up just messaging back and forth on instagram for a little while and then he was kind of telling me what he was doing with social plug and all these different things and i was like that's pretty interesting like the social plug thing's really cool and it's like applicable to my podcast if you want to come on the show and kind of talk about what you're doing and i didn't fully understand the because reese had mentioned to me he was an actor but i didn't fully understand the extent of what he when he said he was an act like i really didn't know what that meant um Obviously, I know what an actor means, but I didn't realize the extent of how big of an actor Reese was at the time. He just mentioned he did some acting, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And uh, he, But he was talking about Social Plug, and I was like, oh, Social Plug is really cool. Uh, like, I feel like, like you should come on the podcast, and we'll talk about it. And he was like, yeah, for sure. So we had like an organic conversation, and he kind of followed me, and we ended up engaging through that. And uh, that's how he came on the podcast. So it was just like a very organic, very natural, like – it wasn't, and he didn't, um, honestly, he didn't message me to come on the podcast. Like, I think we were just talking just in general. And I was just like, you know what? This sounds cool. Like I want you to come on the podcast. He didn't ask to come on the show. Like there wasn't that vibe where he's only talking to me because he wants to come on my podcast. So, um, yeah, very good dude. And I just kind of really want to get that across as my last point, because like I said, I feel like a lot of child stars, sometimes they don't necessarily handle that well. And Reese, like I said, has handled it extremely well. And I'm excited to see what he does with social Plug. I think it's a really cool company. And I definitely think you guys should check Reese out. If you haven't already, you can find him like on Twitter and Instagram. He's at Reese Douglas one. I'll make sure it's linked in the show notes down below. Social plug is at socially plugged on Instagram. I'll make sure that's linked. And if you'd like to find me on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at the Jacob Kelly. Feel free to come and say hello. My DMS are always open. I love to chat about anything you guys want to talk about, whether it be social media related or life related. Like I said, my DMS are always open. If you'd like to follow the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at at my social life podcast or if you search up my social life on youtube we will come up i want to thank you for listening to this podcast whether you listen the entire way through you've only listened to bits and pieces i really appreciate you taking the time to check this out if you guys like to subscribe to this podcast stay tuned for future episodes that would really mean a lot to me as well and if you enjoyed this please consider leaving a rating and review more positive ratings and reviews we get the more it helps new people find the show and it really helps to grow the community that we're developing here because the more positive ratings and reviews you get the more that the podcast apps look positively upon your show and they will recommend it to other people so if you have a second i'd appreciate a five-star rating if you liked this episode thank you once again for listening everybody we'll talk soon